0: Welcome to Vista Community Church Online. We are so glad that you chose to be with us today. You know, church is so much more than a building, it's us. It's it's God's family, spread out all over the city, the nation, and the world, joining together to worship Him. And it's you, wherever you are, acknowledging what He has done in your life and wanting to learn more. So, Let's take these next couple moments and find out what he has in store for us. Let's give him some time. Let's worship.
1: Man, that is a great song for us today, to remember that God is unchanging despite our circumstances. Thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for being here. It is good to worship together. As we get rolling, uh, I want you to consider a question, if you would. If you were a superhero, would you wear a cape? Uh, there's a lot of uh, reasons to wear a cape. Uh, when you show up, people know that you're a superhero. Uh, but maybe it gets in the way. So uh, as, as we get rolling, consider that. It, maybe uh, tell the person you're sitting next to, yes, I would wear a cape, or no, I wouldn't wear a cape. Uh, but we've been talking about greatness over the last couple weeks, and certainly superheroes, Uh, our figures of greatness. Uh, but We've been looking at what it looks like to have a great life, to aim for greatness in our lives. And we've discovered that it it means that we are going to be people that point to Jesus with our lives. And that greatness isn't based on our circumstances or our performance or what we have, but rather it is what what Jesus is doing. It is about what Jesus is, is doing and pointing to him. It's also about our steadiness within our role with regard to Jesus. And we're going to talk more about that today. Last week, we added to our understanding of greatness by adding uh, the character trait of humility. That We need to live lives that are humble before God so that his greatness can shine through us. And today, we're going to add uh, another piece to this puzzle, uh, this piece of uh, a continuous, simple pursuit of God despite our circumstances, despite what's going on in the world. Uh, and so that's where we're going today. It may seem a little bit odd, though, to be talking about greatness, to, to be talking about how to try to be great. A couple months ago, really only eight weeks ago, we knew what normal was. And we find ourselves in this place in week seven or eight of this uh, coronavirus pandemic that has gripped our country and, and normal doesn't look normal anymore. And, and even as we think about uh, maybe returning to some of the spaces that we thought we, we were used to, that we thought were normal, uh, they're, they don't feel as normal anymore. And so it's hard to understand like, okay, so if we don't know what normal is, we don't know what really how to define greatness anymore. right? It's a, we find ourselves in this odd tension right now. But we, there has been a, a change in the way greatness has, has been defined, right? We, right now, we can simultaneously watch a documentary on Michael Jordan, arguably one of the greatest basketball players to live and play the game. And we can see greatness on our TV and still think that if we've showered seven days in a row, that it is a feat worthy of celebration on social media. Our definition of greatness has been changing. And it's been changing because our normal has been changing and we're, we're sitting in this space of, with a lot of disappointment and some grief. We've lost some things over the last couple of weeks. Maybe they've just been plans or uh, what we thought this time of year was gonna bring We've lost jobs and money. We've lost uh, some things coming down the pike. We've even lost friends and family. We've lost health. We've lost some security moving around our world. It's a weird time. And we have this idea that we're supposed to be looking for silver linings. And certainly, there are mercies of God that we can see every day and, and things for us to be thankful for. But because we've lost our bearings, it's, it's harder to see those things. It's harder to find the purpose in each and every day. We want to have lives that are meaningful. And sometimes we wake up and go, What is the point of all of this right now? One thing that is certain, though, is we have seen greatness rise. There have been people that have been elevated over the last few weeks, and we're starting to call them our heroes. People like uh, medical personnel and first responders, social workers and teachers and service providers, truck drivers and grocery store employees. Even our internet provider has become somebody we're really respecting, and, and they're our heroes right now. If you are joining us from outside of the state of Ohio, uh, you might not know the name of Dr. Amy Acton. She is the uh, director of the public health department for the state of Ohio. And she has very capably been advising our governor and other state officials, and, and for quite frankly, all of us on what to expect with this pandemic. And, and what it 's going to mean for our bodies and what it 's what it's going to mean for our economy and and what we should expect as far as symptoms and and uh, with restrictions and uh, it has been she has been clear throughout the process and she has been calm and decisive and direct and as she and the governor have been on TV every afternoon uh, there 's been a lot of interest in who she is and what is her story and uh, how did she get here, and why is she so great? And it's because of her story, some of the things that she's been through uh, early in her childhood, and, and now as a mother, that have enabled her to lead so well with empathy. She's been dubbed the MVP of Ohio, of Ohio's coronavirus response, and even, there's even a local clothing company that has made a shirt to honor her. And it looks like this. It says that not all heroes wear capes, alluding to the fact that she wears a doctor's coat. Not all heroes wear capes. And this is a really good sentiment for us to remember because we do want our lives to mean something significant. But when we think about aiming for great, we often think that our impact is going to be splashy or adventurous or exciting and we definitely want it to be immediate. We want to show up with a cape on and make a big splash. When the reality is that aiming for great means imagining that the greatest thing God wants to do with your life is still in the future. It means believing that greater things are yet to come. It means adopting a long view of a great life and recognizing that the small unheralded obediences are leading to and preparing you for something in the future. Which means that these seemingly minor things that we do or don't do right now are in fact incredibly meaningful. And because they're meaningful, that can lead us to be excited and purposeful in the simple Christ-like opportunities that present themselves each day. Aiming for great then includes a continuous and simple pursuit of and pointing to Jesus. We have been camped out in the book of John, looking at how different people have done a great job of pointing to Jesus and trying to glean some things from their lives. Uh, We're going to take a look at a man who exemplified building on simple actions uh, that grew his faith and enabled him to point to others uh, rather point others to Jesus in a tremendous way. I mean, we're still talking about this 2,000 years later. And it's found in John chapter 9. This is a miracle that Jesus has done uh, where he heals a man who is born blind. And it's helpful for us to understand that John's gospel account, uh, the way he writes it is different than the, the way the other gospels are written. John wants us to know the greatness of Jesus and so when the other gospel writers write about miracles, they often uh, paint Jesus in this uh, compassionate light because he has uh, care and compassion for the person in front of him. He, he heals them. He performs a miracle. And John just wants to see you that Jesus is great. And so he includes this miracle. And so we will see the greatness of Jesus, but we will also see the profundity of simply and continuously pursuing and pointing to Jesus. And there are four things that the blind man does that we can intentionally do right now in these days to bring meaning to what is in front of us uh, and also to help us live a life that aims for great. So John chapter nine, starting, starting in verse one, we're gonna read and stop and read and stop. So here we go. As he, Jesus, went along, he saw a man blind from birth his disciples asked him, Rabbi, who has sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Now, this is a pretty common question. It's a pretty common understanding that when someone is suffering or there's calamity, that, that it's a cause of great sin. And so there was even an understanding uh, in those days that you could sin while still in the womb. And because this man is somewhat of an anomaly, He's been born blind. The disciples have this question, okay, who messed up? Where do we put the blame on this? And certainly there are consequences for sin. There are even physical consequences for sin. Uh, And so we need to be people that are examining our lives and, and repenting of the sin when we see it, when God brings it to light. But that's not the case here. And so Jesus goes on and says, neither this man nor his parents have sinned. But this happened so that the work of God might be displayed in his life. How many of you know that God does not waste suffering? Some of you are saying, that's a good thing. That's a good thing that God does not waste suffering. The trials and tribulations, the pain and the wounds in your life, we want them to have meaning and they do. And they do. God has a purpose for them. He is not going to waste them. So that when there are trials and there is suffering in our lives, we don't ask necessarily, why me? Why did this happen to me? Or or what's the meaning of this? But rather, we should ask the question, how might you, God, want to display your works through my life? Sometimes God is showing us the areas in which there is work to be done either by us or by him. And either way, he doesn't waste it. He doesn't waste suffering, which makes what you do in the midst of it so valuable to you and to him. Jesus goes on and says, as long as it is day, we must do the work of him who sent me. Night is coming when no work can be done while I am in the world I am the light of the world. We'll get back to that in just a moment. Having said this, Jesus spit on the ground, made some mud with the saliva and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means sent. So the man went and washed and he came home seeing. All right, there's some cultural context here that's helpful because right now we're going to grocery stores with masks on, and Dr. Acton did not tell us it was okay to spit and wipe it on people's eyes, right? So we need need a little bit of help here. But remember, John is highlighting the greatness of Jesus, so these details in these verses are important. First, starting with spit. It was believed at the time that the spit of a person particularly a distinguished person, had healing properties. And so at the very least, we see that there is something within Jesus that is capable of healing, and it's great. The second detail that we can draw out of this, and we see this uh, come out more specifically in some of the later verses, but it's helpful to unpack it now, that this healing happens on the Sabbath. Now, the Sabbath is a day of rest set up by God after Uh, he led the Israelites out of captivity in Egypt. They were in slavery for 400 years, and so there's some retraining that God needs to do with the Israelites so that they'll know who he is and how to act as his people. And so he gives them the Ten Commandments. It displays his character, but also how to interact with one another and and how to act uh, as a representation of God. And one of those commandments is to remember the Sabbath and to keep it holy. And over the years, more and more rules and do's and don'ts about uh, what can be done to keep that day holy. What what shouldn't be done uh, to to remember it uh, and keep it holy. And the Pharisees, we'll see see them in just a moment. The Pharisees are a, a sect of Jewish people who were really good at following the rules. In fact, they thought that uh, if they were able to follow all the rules and all the laws uh, down to the letter, that they would be able to usher in uh, the kingdom of heaven on earth and that the Messiah would come. And so the Pharisees are really, really good at following these rules. And here are some of these rules that Jesus starts to break. The first is that he made mud. Now this doesn't seem like a big deal to us. He spit in the dust and then he, he made mud in his hand. But that would be considered work. He actually was, was turning the earth and that would be considered work. Second, there wasn't to be any healing on the Sabbath unless somebody had a dire need. They were going to die if they didn't get help. And this man has been uh, blind since he was born. So presumably uh, he'd be okay for one more day. So there's to be no healing. And then it's just a general no-no not to spit and wipe it on people's eyelids. I mean, we can get down with that one, right? But essentially, this is what Jesus is doing. Jesus is saying, "No, no longer are we looking back to the Mosaic law, to the old way of living. No, from this point on, your life is to look at me and follow me and point to me and my ways of doing things. He says of himself, I am the light of the world. Follow me. And so the man is obedient to Jesus. He does what he says, and he's sent. He's sent by Jesus to a place called sent. And as ones who believe and follow Jesus, we are also sent to do the work of God in the world, like he talks about In verse 4, God sent Jesus into the world to do his work. And we as his disciples are sent to do that same work. So we find right here the first two things that we want to emulate about the blind man. Uh, The two things that we can do right now with intentionality to aim uh, for great. The first is we need to allow Jesus to enter the space of our greatest deficit vulnerability. We need to allow Jesus to enter the space of our greatest deficit and vulnerability. The blind man was a man. He had been blind for a long time. And he didn't have very many options to make money, so he sat and begged. And probably not everybody was kind to him. Probably there were there were times in his life when he was taken advantage of because of his vulnerability, because of his deficits. There are times in your lives when you know that you are insufficient on your own. There are wounds. There are times when you feel just totally exposed, maybe even taken advantage of because of your vulnerability. We need to allow Jesus to enter those spaces if God is capable of using our weakness or our suffering for our good and for his glory, then we're going to need to let him touch the insecure places in our lives so that there can actually be healing. The second thing we want, we want to emulate about this man and put into practice now is we, we want to be obedient to do the small things. Jesus didn't give him a very hard task. He told him to go wash his face. And could he have been healed without having to do that? Well, he is interacting with Jesus. The answer is yes. But this prescriptive thing for us is not in this method of mud because if we have a, a broken relationship, for example, we, we can't just like, make some mud and wipe, a, wipe some mud on it and it'll be healed. Now the prescriptive thing for us is in the obedience. It's in aligning our lives to God's will. There's healing that comes when we're in that kind of alignment. And because we mentioned Michael Jordan earlier, he became great by working on the fundamentals of basketball over and over and over again. And our diligence, and just like that, our diligent and prompt obedience to the seemingly small things right in front of us now will be the foundation of a great life that points to Jesus. So the man goes and washes and he comes home seeing. Pick it up in verse 8. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, Isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, No, he only looks like that guy. But he himself said, No, I'm the man. How then are your eyes open? They demanded. He replied, The man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash. So I went and washed and then I could see. Where is this man? They asked him. I don't know. This scene is so cool because we see a couple of things here. First, when God transforms part of your life, it gets noticed. There's an argument about this guy from his neighbors and people that had passed him nearly every day. And there's an argument about whether it's him or not because he was not a very significant part of their lives. They passed him without knowing even really what he looked like. But they noticed something was different. God intervened in his life and they took notice. And this is the other cool thing we see. Is this guy concerned at all about having all the info on Jesus? Nope. He's not. He doesn't even know where Jesus is. And what does he say about Jesus? He's a man that can heal as we sit here and we, we read this kind of looking back into history we're like oh he doesn't even know all of the goodness of who Jesus is but that's not a bother to him and so we see uh, our the third thing we want to emulate from his life and and do right now and it's this it's th- consider your story Consider your story of how God has impacted your life so that when it gets noticed, you know how to talk about it. And here's the thing. It's not sophisticated. This man's testimony is three whole sentences long at this point. He doesn't have great theological understanding, but it's an impactful story. And the other thing about this is that As you consider your story of how God has impacted you, remember that it's your story of how God impacted you, which means you're going to need to be the one to tell it. Consider your story. For the sake of time, this next section, I'm just going to summarize. But here's what happens after uh, he tells these people that sort of know him, What happened to him? They take him to the Pharisees. And because all of this happened on the Sabbath, the the Pharisees question him about his healing. And the Pharisees uh, and the religious leaders, they're kind of divided right here. Some of them are on the side of Jesus is not from God because he's breaking the Sabbath laws, but others are saying, well, how can a sinner do such miraculous signs? And so they ask the man, "What, what do you say about him? And he says, He's a prophet, and a prophet is a, a messenger from God, sent by God, and this ruffles the Pharisees' feathers a little bit, and so they're like, well, you, maybe you weren't blind after all, and so they call in his parents, and his parents are like, nope, this is our son. Yes, he's been blind from birth, but how he got healed and who healed him, well, we don't know anything about that. And actually, uh, we're kind of afraid that you're going to kick us out of the temple for believing in Jesus or being associated with our son right now. So why don't you just ask him? He's old enough to answer for himself. And so the Pharisees bring him back in a second time. And they say this, give God the glory, which is their way of saying, tell the truth. Give glory to God. We know that this man is a sinner. And the man's response is this. I don't know if he's a sinner or not, but the one thing I know is that I was blind and now I see. This is the fourth thing that we need to emulate. Is we need to be honest about our condition and honest about God's intervention. We often think that the best way to aim at greatness and represent God well is to do one of two things. Either to downplay the significance of how God has changed us, or to try to be great, to have some fantastic story, or have all the answers to all the anticipated questions. See, when we do those two things, though, it robs God of glory and it makes us the center of the story. Instead, our small, consistent offerings are the things that point to Jesus in great ways. They tell him to give glory to God and he does by unashamedly telling the very simple but incredibly meaningful truth. I was blind, but now I see. Maybe it sounds like this. I wrecked my car and was out of money. And when the bills came due, I had exactly the right amount in my checking account. I was sick and people prayed for me and I survived. I blew up my marriage And by God's grace and my wife's forgiveness, you know, we get to celebrate another anniversary this year. I lost my job. But somehow God provided for all of our needs. I started giving kind of sacrificially to my church, and now there's more money than there was before. What is it for you? What do you need to be honest about your condition? See, the blind man knew that he was blind. That's not a very glamorous position. But in it, he can also expose the greatness of what God has done for him. If God's work in your life was good enough to change you, trust that your simple, consistent, honest acknowledgement of it is good enough to greatly point to Jesus and impact those around you. And remember, God doesn't waste suffering. It's there so that the works of God might be displayed in your life. So let God show off in your life by being honest about your condition and his intervention. Now here's the kicker. Even if we do all those things, It sometimes doesn't go the way we think it should. (laughs) It doesn't work out the way we've planned. We see that in verses 26 through 34. The Pharisees dig their heels in and they say, no, we are disciples of Moses and you're a disciple of Jesus. And the man doesn't back down. He is convinced more than ever that Jesus is from God. And so what happens? They kick him out of the temple. They excommunicate him. They cut him off from the community of faith that he wasn't really part of anyway, but at least he had something to cling to. But here's the payoff. Here's why allowing God into significant places in your life, being obedient in the small things right in front of you, considering what he has done for you, and walking and talking honestly about your condition and God's intervention is so important. Why having a growing faith is important and meaningful and can make us excited about the small stuff of today. Because that loyalty to Jesus always results in revelation. Loyalty always results in revelation. Check this out. See what happens next. Verse 35, Jesus heard that they had thrown him out and when he found him, he said, do you believe in the son of man? Who is he, sir? The man asked. Tell me so that I may believe in him. Jesus said, you have now seen him. In fact, he is the one speaking with you. Then the man said, Lord, I believe. And he worshiped him. Isn't that just like Jesus? He, Jesus goes and finds him. He meets his need again. And he proves that he is a God that chases after the brokenhearted to bind them up, to go after the lost. He goes and finds him. And then, because of the man's loyalty, he gets to see more of who Jesus is. Remember, when, when he was first healed, he told his neighbors, oh, there's a man named Jesus. He's a pretty great guy. He could heal me. But but then when he's in front of the Pharisees, he starts to put together that Jesus is from God. He's a prophet. And now because of his loyalty, Jesus says, do you believe in the son of man? Which is Jesus' favorite way of just pointing to himself as, as the Messiah. The one that everybody's been waiting for. And what does he say? He calls him Lord. He's gone from Jesus is a man to Jesus is the son of God. And just as loyalty always results in revelation, revelation requires a response. There is something for us to do when we grow in our our understanding of God. This man says, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him as God reveals more and more of who he is, then our response is to believe more, worship God more. And if we go back to verse four, there is work to be done that God has, has for us to do. There is a response as a result of revelation. Now this is the last time we see this man. And presumably he lives out his life with this new and greater understanding of who Jesus is. And as a disciple of Jesus, just like he was sent before to go and wash and be healed, he is now sent with the message of what God has done in his life and the greatness of who Jesus is. Likewise, we who believe in Jesus are a sent people. Jesus has met us in our deepest need and made a way for us to live in relationship with God. And by responding with consistent pursuit of him in the simple yet meaningful small things, we will be equipped to do his work in the world with increasing faith and increasing knowledge of his greatness. And while you might not need a cape, to do that work. A life that continually points to Jesus in big and small ways will likely be heroic to someone else. So may God give you what you need for today and may he receive all praise and glory. Amen.
0: Hey Vista, thank you so much for joining us today. We hope that you were encouraged by this message and we'd love to hear from you. Whether this is your first time joining us or you've been a VISTA family member with us for a long time, let us know that you were watching today. Let us also know what God is doing in your life and let us know how we can pray for you. You can do all of that by going to our website, go to the connect option in the menu, click connect online, and there you can fill out the connect card. Also, our VISTA mobile app is phenomenal. We have so much information available to you and also ways to stay connected in the app. You can download it from the Apple Store as well as Google Play. Vista, we are seeing God's amazing work within our community through you. Because of your generous donation to the Mid Ohio Food Bank, we were able to provide an incredible $18,000 worth of food and groceries to those in need. Thank you so much for reaching further. If you and your family are looking for ways to serve our community, please visit our website, vistacommunitychurch.org. On the homepage, there's a COVID-19 button. From there, you'll see all of our COVID-19 resources and needs. Our community partners have posted needs for donations as well as volunteers. So make sure you check out that list. Vista, thank you so much for joining us again today. We'll see you tomorrow for Break For Devotional at noon. Have a great week. We love you.